What do you think their name should be? Let me ask you that. No more Redskins. If you were the owner, Dan Snyder, what is your first choice? Washington, fill in the blank. I think that it should be something that really represents what this franchise stands for, which, you know, in my lifetime has really just been sort of like mocking disenfranchised people. Um, My first choice, I think I've been thinking about it would be like the Washington Capitalists. Because I think that that's really what this team stands for at this point. You know, they've been asked for years to really change their name, consider changing their name. Dan Snyder was having none of that, basically said it'll never happen as long as I'm the owner. Then Nike stopped selling Redskin, you know, things with the Redskins name on it. And the next day they're changing the name, like emergency press conference. We need to, we need to really turn this around. So yeah, I mean, I think that this is purely about money, not that they feel bad, not that they are reading the climate and feeling like it's an ethical, you know, obligation to change it. It's it's frankly about money. So my vote, the Washington Capitalists. What a name. I mean, it's very fitting, like you mentioned. Their hand was forced, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Washington Capitalists, what a name. Uh, now I, see, what I think, like coming from like a marketing background, is they should just go for a whole total rebrand keep it w you could do ww so it flows off the tongue very easily i know the washington warriors are a leading favorite for the new team name but i I think they should just go for a total rebrand like i'm talking new logo new name new colorway scheme everything just start fresh and go from there whatever it may be i mean why don't they just switch over you know go full full rebrand get off Washington, maybe adopt the uh, DC Defenders name, and then maybe sign Cardale Jones to replace mm, Haskins. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's do- <laughs> let's pitch it to him. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll get Snyder on the line. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 76 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, as always, joined by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, uh, we're going to be taking a look at Drafter's new uh, tournament. You know, they, they recently put this tournament up last week. We're going to talk about the format, the prize structure, and then Joey and I just hopped into a draft this afternoon, yesterday afternoon when you're listening to this, and we're going to review the teams and some of the most interesting picks, some of the strategies and overall themes that we saw throughout this 10-team draft. But before we get into any of that, Joey, would you mind telling the good people how they can support this podcast? As always, you could support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on every major podcast platform, which includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podcast Addict if you are an Android. And then you can just go ahead, leave a rating and a review on that as well. And then you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Dose. And then we have a YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. You can also go and look at Ben's uh, video series with Drafters on Drafters Fantasy. That's their YouTube channel. Videos release every Friday, so go ahead and go uh, look up those videos. Go watch that. He described his rankings, and he just went over some sleepers that he likes for the 2020 season, and that is the best way to support the DFS Dose. So go ahead and follow us. 
subscribe on all platforms and yeah yeah absolutely appreciate the shout out on drafters and you know while uh joey's not on on mic for that particular uh venture of ours he is making all the graphics and if you if you've seen any of these videos really took a step up recently and uh you know sh- the show's looking real good courtesy of my boy over here so make sure you uh you take a look at these drafters videos as well and this is not sponsored content but this this tournament I mean, I think it's really exciting. You know, they're filling the void that Draft left. You know, when Draft was sort of taken over by FanDuel, everybody was waiting for this format, this best ball tournament. And there hasn't been one. You know, FanDuel didn't put it out. They've been tweeting every now and then in response to customers asking, like, when are you going to be putting out your best ball tournament? They've been saying soon, soon. And they didn't do it. I really love seeing, you know, a smaller up and coming company like drafters just taking the opportunity that's in front of them and putting this out. And as you can see, I mean, it's filling up, you know, they announced this what Friday morning and it's already up to 1400 plus entries out of a $5,000 field. So if you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about, drafters, fantasy sports, they're sort of an up and coming platform for fantasy football DFS. They do uh, some other sports as well, but primarily they're a, they're a best ball site as of right now. And this tournament that was just released, it's a 5,000 field with a five and a half dollar entry fee, 9.09% rake. Total prize pool is 25,000 with $10,000 to first. Unlike draft, no playoffs. It's just most points out of 5,000 teams, there's a 100 team max per person, not 150 like like uh, DraftKings or FanDuel. 100 team max, $5.5 entry with 10K to first. Joey, what do you feel is your initial reaction sort of to these, you know, these price points and, and the prize structure? Yeah, I mean, I like the price structure. I like the entry fee. Like they kept it, you know, cheap so you could have a lot of entries. I like that $5.50, like you, like you mentioned, pretty solid price. Solid field of players, 5,000. The interesting thing for me is the no playoffs, which I found out from you right before we did the draft. So that kind of, that kind of alters your draft strategy going in because essentially you want the highest ceiling possible. And I know listeners, if you've been listening to us over the last couple of years, that's all we talk about is floor and ceiling. And so with this, you just want to draft guys at their ceiling. So you know, if you want to reach on a couple players and go ahead and reach if you feel like their ceiling is, is better than some of the guys around them. Ultimately, I, I like this tournament and I wouldn't be surprised if it fills within the next two or three weeks. With saying that, I wouldn't be surprised if Drafters does another one, maybe at a higher uh, entry cost. Yeah, I don't I don't want to spill any beans from from stuff I've you know heard from speaking with them, but I'll just say I do believe that's a possibility as well. Why don't we get into these teams, right? So the format, it's 10 team drafts. You know, you'll draft in in teams of 10. And like Joey said, you know, you have to target upside because you need to score the most points on this best ball roster out of 5,000 teams drafted, which also means that you need to have a unique team, you know, to really take down that first place prize of $10,000, which is obviously the goal in a GPP like this. So you need to A, target upside and be have a unique team which means you know going off the board in some spots i definitely think the two of us went off the board at at certain points in this draft we definitely prioritized upside and there were some real interesting picks throughout this i think we can close out the show with some of the more 
you know, interesting picks across the draft. But Joey, why don't we start talking about your team and you drafted from the four hole uh, of this 10 team league? Yeah, so fourth spot out of 10. And I, I like the fourth spot personally. I think it's a good spot to pick in. And Zeke ended up falling to me. The dude in third took Camara at three. So I ended up drafting Zeke. That was a very easy pick. And then in the second round and third round, I went D-Hop and Mike Evans. I didn't want to do this pick in the fourth round, but I ended up drafting Keenan Allen. I felt like he was a good value in the end of the fourth round. So three wide receiver, one running back star. I ended up taking Swift. And then uh, Kyler Murray after that to complete a Cardinals stack. All in all, I like my team. I got guys like Darren Waller, Christian Kirk with D-Hop and Kyler Murray, Alexander Madison, Daniel Jones, Nikhil Harry, one of the best picks in the draft, Royce Freeman in the 18th <laughs> round. So I can't beat that. And then took my boy Josh Oliver in the last round in the 20th round. So all in all, I like my team. I mean, I could read off the whole team if if people want, but I don't think they want to hear the whole team. But all in all, I, I think I have one of the best teams in the in the league. Oh, hold so. on, hold on. I can't let you just oh, no, waltz no, no, over no. that Royce Freeman pick. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's becoming a tradition, right? We've done two of these podcast drafts for the pod. You know, we've done two of these best ball drafts for the podcast, and now in both of them, You've gotten auto-drafted late with a running back that you didn't want any part of. So, I mean, I love it for the memes. I love it for just to troll you on the podcast. But, I mean, come on, bud. Royce Freeman in the 18th round? Justify it. I mean, it was 10 picks after his ADP. Pure value. So, so yeah, pure value Royce Freeman in the 18th round. But, now, nah, um, I, I was I was just torn on who to pick at that point. And then the minute ran out and I got auto-drafted Royce Freeman. So, I mean, it's not who I wanted, but as my RB6, I guess it's it's all right. I don't know. It, I mean, it's not all right because it's a terrible pick and that's not <laughs> who I would have drafted there. But at least he wasn't my RB5 or, or anything crazy like that. So, In terms of construction, you ended up with three quarterbacks, three tight ends, eight wide receivers, and six running backs. I mean, to me, that's pretty optimal. Um, I think that maybe the numbers would tell you the optimal construction is either going uh, with two quarterbacks and three tight ends or three tight ends and two quarterbacks, uh, just spending five picks between those two onesie positions. But I mean, I don't hate it. I, I went with the same construction, three and three. I mean, in, in a league like this, where you need to, again, outscore 5,000 other people and quarterback is likely to be your highest scoring position in each and every draft, even if you do end up with strong tight ends, like I feel like you did with Waller as your tight end one, which normally to me would set up a two tight end build. I, I do think that three quarterbacks and three tight ends is is a smart way to go because you need to have top tier numbers at each of those onesie positions to finish first overall out of 5,000 people. Yeah, so I was comfortable taking... Darren Waller as my tight end one in the seventh round after Kyler Murray in the sixth round. And I just wanted to complete the stack. I know we'll talk about it in a minute, but stacking gives you, you know, a little bit of an edge in these big field GBP best ball tournaments. So I wanted to complete the stack with Kyler and, and D hop. And then I ended up drafting Christian Kirk, but with Darren Waller as my tight end one, I felt comfortable waiting until the later rounds to draft my tight end two. 
which ended up being Chris Herndon. So I was fine with getting him as my tight end two in the 16th round. And then with 20 rounds, I just wanted to make sure that I had three quarterbacks and three tight ends. Oh, that might not be the optimal, but I feel like there's a lot of upside with having three and three, especially in a large field tournament. And then I took Josh Oliver in the last round, who we talked about on the last episode of the podcast. If you want to go back and listen to that, he's one of my favorite players for this year, and he's not even being drafted. Like, his ADP is nothing. So, I mean, if Josh Oliver works out, I could have, you know, the next Darren Waller and have Darren Waller as well, so... I love it. I love Josh Oliver. He's the type of player who's going to, you know, if you break it down when it's all said and done, he'll have 1% ownership, you know, and that's what you need. You need leverage. I mean, just like any other DFS tournament, you need leverage and ownership. And Oliver's the perfect type of player if he hits that ceiling that we talked about in depth on our last podcast. Uh, You mentioned, you know, when talking about your team that you weren't so sure about Keenan Allen. When we were doing the draft, you mentioned that you're kind of coming around to him. So what is it about Allen that is you know, worthy to you of picking him in the fourth round. Yeah, so I ended up taking him over James Conner and Leonard Fournette and A.J. Brown, which may surprise some people, especially on Twitter and the DFS community. But, you know, I think he's a good player. Obviously, great wide receiver. Finished top 10 last year with Rivers, though. I don't don't think Tyrod's a bad quarterback. Even if Tyrod starts half the season or six games per se, and Justin Herbert comes in, I think there will be enough volume in that offense for him to eat. And I, I think he, I think Keenan Allen is QB proof, if mm-hmm. I had to give him a trait description. He runs the routes that are friendly to quarterbacks. The underneath, the slot routes, you know, the corner routes that pretty much every quarterback in the NFL can make on a consistent basis. So I think Keenan Allen, especially in PPR, is a good is a good pick in the fourth round as my wide receiver three. Yeah. I, I have a lot of trouble trying to figure out how it's gonna break down between all the targets they have, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, all these guys, but I mean Keenan Allen has to have the the safest target share out of anybody, right? I mean even Austin Eckler, especially with Herbert and Taylor there as the two potential quarterbacks for this team throughout the year. They're both guys who are going to be likely to run the ball, which puts Eckler's, you know, role more in jeopardy, I think, than Keenan's. As much as I do love Austin Eckler, I've been considering the fact that maybe I'm a little bit too low on Keenan. You taking them, you know, in the fourth round, you know, adds to that feeling for me. And I think that he is becoming a value because he's just being slept on so much. So I, I don't hate that pick. And then, you know, let's talk about his former quarterback, Philip Rivers, who you kind of sp- you know, spite picked, I guess, in the seventeenth round. Spike picked because you Hammond. knew I had T. Y. Hilton on my roster. I had Naheem Hines on my roster. And I was looking at Philly Rivers as my QB three. I know you know that. We've talked about him on like six podcast episodes. And then here we come, pick one sixty four. I see Joey take Philip Rivers, little evil laugh in the Discord chat. What are we doing? <laughs> So at that point, I had Kyler and Daniel Jones. So I was very comfortable with my QB1 and QB2. But like I just mentioned, I wanted three quarterbacks. And from all the talk about Phillip Rivers over the last couple of episodes, I felt like there was a clear-cut drop-off after Rivers in terms of the quarterbacks left. So just to give the listeners an example, the following quarterbacks I went after 
were Kirk Cousins, Tannehill. You ended up drafting Jared Goff, which I think he is in the same tier as Rivers. But minus Goff, everybody else after that. Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. So I felt like there was a clear-cut drop-off, and I still wanted to have, you know, some upside as my QB3. And I guess when you're drafting with one of your boys and one of your podcast mates that knows the players that you want, they can come back around and snake the guy that you were going to pair <laughs> Phillip Rivers with, which Ben ended up doing in the 18th round on the turn in the turnaround where he ended up drafting Paris Campbell because he was hurt that I drafted Phillip Rivers and he was going to be my pick, which ended up being Royce Freeman. So, Ben, you're a scumbag. <laughs> and I'm glad I took Rivers from you. But you ended up getting golf, so it worked out. I don't know why you took Campbell from me. I mean, frankly, purely revenge. I didn't need him whatsoever on my roster. I already had T.Y. Hilton and Naheem Hines, so I had two Colts. I was gunning for that Rivers stack. I didn't really need Paris Campbell there. Like, I could have gone with my guy Denzel Mims, which was strongly in consideration if you listen to our last episodes. I love some Denzel Mims this season, but... Joey just had me heated with Rivers, and so, yeah, I knew what he was trying to do. Knew he was going to go for that Paris Campbell pick, and uh, nah. Nah, you're going to take Rivers? I'm going to take Campbell. Don't need him on my roster, but you can't have him, and now you have Royce Freeman. So I guess it was a win-win for everybody. See, this is why you don't draft with people that know the players that you like. Yeah. Takes away your edge. 100%. All right, let's move on. Talk about the team that I ended up with here. Uh, I was drafting out of the eight spot. My team is very heavily correlated, right? I have three stacks going on. I've got Matt Stafford to Kenny Galladay. I've got Big Ben to Juju Smith-Schuster, and I've got Jared Goff to Robert Woods. Uh, so I feel really good about that. You know, Joey mentioned stacking, and I think it's one of the most important ways to build an edge into your rosters. You know, if Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith-Schuster are going to be the type of players that can win me a tournament, right? I take them in the third and the fourth round. I believe in this draft that they are going to have enough upside to win me a tournament out of 5,000 people. Well, it stands to reason then, right, that Matthew Stafford and Big Ben are going to have good seasons. If Stafford goes down and Chase Daniels is throwing the ball, then you know what? I don't think that that Kenny Galladay pick was going to work out for me at 29th overall or 28th overall. But assuming that it does work out and, you know, you should draft every pick assuming that it's going to work out, right? Then, you know, I'm going to correlate those results. So, you know, I always find that stacking is extremely important in these tournaments. I think that it's something that's not always, you know, addressed, although we do see it becoming more and more mainstream. For example, eight out of the 10 teams in this league single stacked. So at least one stack quarterback to wide receiver, two teams double stacked, Three teams triple stacked. I was one of those as well as two others. And then one team, I don't even know if I've seen this yet. My boy Ked222 quad stacked it with Carson Wentz to Ertz, Baker to Odell, Darnold to Perryman, and Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro. So shout out to him. I love that. I love being that aggressive. Back to my team. Yeah. So, you know, I started off running back, running back with Miles Sanders and Derek Henry. Like I said, Galladay, Smith Schuster. Went really heavy at, at wide receiver, Robert Woods, T.Y. Hill, and Marquise Brown, Darius Slayton in the ninth round. I mean, wide receiver is the clear strength of my team. Uh, and then, yeah, some some extraneous picks. Paris Campbell late, like Joey said, that was purely a revenge pick. 
I went tight end heavy, three picks from rounds 11 through 14. I took Gasicki, Fant, and Hawkinson. So I feel good about that core. I feel like there's a lot of upside between those guys on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, filled out the roster with some guys that, you know, I've liked all offseason. Tevin Coleman as my running back four. Damian Williams as my running back three, a pick that I imagine Joey likes in the seventh round, considering he's been, you know, steadily going at people for liking Edwards Hilaire. So, Joey, I mean, what's your reaction? How do you feel about my team overall? Yeah, I like your team. I think it's a very, like you said, correlated team. Damian Williams in the seventh round is a solid value. I don't know how I feel about having him as your RB3 per se, but I still think people are sleeping on the workload that he is going to have this year, and I think people are overhyping the workload that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to have this year. Granted, I will say, this dude drafted Edwards Hilaire as his RB3 as he went Delvin Cook and Aaron Jones with his first two picks. So I do like that as having him as your RB3, but not as your RB1 or even your RB2. So I I like the Damian Williams pick. I like the Tevin Coleman pick. I let let Ben get Darius Slayton because... Let me. Like, yeah, I let him get Darius Slayton because I felt bad that he never gets him in any draft that we're in. So let him get Darius Slayton. Ball and all, good team. Very well correlated. Like you said, you triple stacked. Um, You got to at least have one stack on your team. That's the way that I went because, you know, the dominoes just didn't fall for me to have more than one. But in like in this league, two teams didn't stack. You know, 20% of the league is basically burning their $5 on fire. You know, they're they're mm. giving up EV. We're getting EV on those teams because we know that stacking is more profitable. And I mean, you triple stack, which is really good, but you at least minimum need one stack. If you can get your one stack, that's the goal with the with these drafts. And I mean, I got mine with the Arizona passing game. You got yours with multiple passing games. So I think our teams are in good shape. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like it's just built in edge. You know, like you're saying, I mean, 20% of the field is not stacking. So that's edge. You know, people are always saying, you know, is there still an edge? They're clearly just just look at look around. Yeah. And just a lot of value. I felt like in, in this draft for my team, Derrick Henry in the second round. I haven't seen that very often. Love that getting Sanders in the first, bringing it back with Henry. Overall, big fan of my team. I like your team as well. Why don't we pivot and talk about some of the most interesting picks that we noticed throughout this draft. I think that we both know what the uh, what the real jaw dropper was that, that we both were like just laughing when we saw. Yeah, Antonio Brown at pick 98. It, oh my God. I, I just don't have any words. That, that's so absurd. Like he should be drafted, right? Like we both think he should be drafted. I know that neither of us are on team draft free agents that aren't signed for the most part, but Antonio Brown is undeniably, you know, one of the best players we've seen in the last decade. He deserves to be drafted, but I mean, 98th top 100 pick on him with a guaranteed suspension. If he is brought back to the NFL, couldn't be me. Yeah, no, no shot. Especially if he gets suspended for five games. I mean, the dude that drafted him does have a really solid team, so that kind of makes up for it. Mm-hmm. But that's still a very questionable pick. And then he also made another questionable, questionable pick five rounds later. 
going team free agent again with Devontae Freeman. Yeah, I don't like that. That is, I don't know. I'm not drafting a running back that's not on the team. I'm just not. Yeah, 100%. I don't think Devontae Freeman should be drafted right now. Um, It's not like he's going to come in and be a workhorse wherever he goes. At best, he'll have a role, and he could be in a pretty bad situation. So I'm not willing to take that risk when there's guys going late who I think, while their roles are questionable, like I would rather take Damian Harris, who I took with my second-to-last pick. You know, guys like that, like upside guaranteed on a roster with a plausible path to work. You know, I'm not really just trying to, uh, you know, crap on Jake and Jake and Bake's team. I do like his team. We even noted earlier when we were just talking in the Discord during the draft that we liked his team. He ended up with a Dak Prescott to Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and Blake Jarwin full on Cowboys stack. I think there's a lot of upside in that. It's just, yeah, two pretty shaky picks. Unless, of course, you know, maybe this is like Adam Schefter's burner. And, you know, he he knows something that we don't. And maybe mm. we're the fish. Did you ever consider mm. that? I didn't consider that. Is Adam Schefter on drafters drafting oh. best ball championship teams? Under the name Jake and Bake. I would never I would never suspect it. Me either. Tomorrow tomorrow he's gonna drop news that Antonio Brown signed to the Seahawks and Tyler Lockett tore his ACL and uh <laughs> and there you go. And then we look foolish. <laughs> but, you know, as of now, I can't co sign that pick. Let's talk about some of the other interesting picks that we saw throughout here. Obviously, uh Royce Freeman, highly questionable pick. Uh, by Joey at 177. How about Cam Newton? What about old Cam Newton? This is the first draft, live draft that we've done together where he's been being drafted and he set in with the first pick of round 15, 141 overall. How do you feel about that ADP for Cam? Uh, I think I think it's a good ADP. You're getting a QB with a built-in rushing floor, which is always nice. Goal line upside with Cam Newton as well. And obviously, you still get a pretty solid quarterback if he's healthy. So Cam Newton in the 15th round, I like it. Uh, He went above guys like Big Ben and Baker, which, I don't know, it's kind of questionable to me. I, I think I'd rather have both of them over Cam Newton at this point in time. But other than that, I, I think Cam Newton's a solid pick in the 15th, 16th round if you can if you can get him there. So Yeah, that's really my only problem with it as well. I would take both Big Ben and Baker ahead of him. But, you know, the next crop of QBs that went, I think Cam belongs in that tier. You know, with the guys that you talked about, Phillip Rivers, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, for some reason, Jameis Winston went ahead of all those guys. We're not even going to talk about that. That's, that's egregious. Actually, he went to the same team that drafted Cam. I'm not sure what's going on there. But in terms of just strict value, Cam in the 15th round, pick 141, I'm fine with that. Just uh, like some of the guys that went after him in this particular draft. We already talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a little bit at pick 26. Some of the other picks that stood out to me, maybe um, Alexander Madison on your team, I thought was a little bit interesting considering I know how you feel about you know, Dalvin Cook being solidified as as really one of the top five fantasy running backs. You want to speak to Madison a little bit? Yeah, so I ended up drafting him in the 12th round as my RB5. And at that point, I was pretty comfortable with taking him at that spot solely, you know, for the upside if Dalvin Cook, you know, does hold out or gets injured. We've seen him, you know, have some injuries early in his career and he's one of the most valuable handcuffs in fantasy football and I know you've spoken a lot 
about grabbing some of those valuable handcuffs in fantasy. And if the cards fall right, they could you know, be one of the best picks of the draft. So I just wanted to grab him at that spot, especially with some of the guys that were on the board at that time. I think I ended up reaching for him. I think it was about like 10 or maybe like 8 picks above ADP. I felt very comfortable with him in the 12th round, especially with the build of my team at that point. So Yeah, I'm I'm okay, especially in, in leagues like this with being really flexible with ADP. Like I'm not going to hold it to a crazy standard because you want your teams to be unique. And, yeah. you know, kind of like if you're in a showdown slate on DraftKings, say, you might not use all of the salary, right, to make your team unique. And this is sort of the equivalent, I would say, to that is, is you know, playing around with ADP a little bit because it'll build to a unique lineup. Like, yeah, obviously, optimally, you don't want to be reaching for guys a ton, but sometimes to win a GPP, you're not playing the optimal strategy. And I think that being flexible with ADP is a good strategy in these. Now, that doesn't mean take Antonio Brown with a top 100 pick. It doesn't mean take Antonio Gibson, for example, a good, what is it, 20, 30, 35 picks ahead of his ADP. He went at 125. His ADP is 159. Like, I don't I don't have a problem with Antonio Gibson. I think that he has a lot of upside. He's a running back with a muddled committee team. You know, he could shine through, get a role. He has receiving upside. So he's the type of player I look to, but... I don't want to reach for him over 30 picks ahead of his ADP, right? I mean, how do you feel about Gibson going that early? I I think that's just an egregious pick, uh, especially in the 13th round. Like, Zach Moss went after Antonio Gibson, and I think Zach Moss is going to have a clearly defined role in Buffalo as the coaches just put out a quote saying, like, he's going to have the Frank Gore role, which is going to result in goal line carries. So I think taking them after, like taking him before a guy like Zach Moss or even Chase Admins and Sony Michelle, I think I think that's just very very egregious. So I, I don't like that pick, and I frankly don't really like the dude's team either that drafted him. So mm. sorry, Stevie. Is that because he is that because he sniped Ian Thomas from you? He did snipe Ian Thomas from me in the 16th round, which ended up me taking Chris Herndon. That kind of tilted me, but back to Antonio Gibson. Just just no. Don't draft him that early. Especially if he's going to be there at the 17th or, you know, 16th round. No reason to take him in the 13th. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty set, you know, talking about this. I think we touched on everything. I did want to shout out Doomy Favors, who drafted one pick after me with the ninth pick. I really like his team. I think he did everything right. It's the exact type of construction I love to see, you know, went... With two high upside running backs with high ceilings in the receiving game, Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler to start. Triple stacked it to Sean Watson to Will Fuller, Matt Ryan to Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst, Teddy Bridgewater to DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Like, that's someone who gets it. So shout out to him. What a great team. Uh, do any of the other teams really stand out to you before we get out of here? Uh, no, I, I think there are some really solid teams. I think we have a solid team ourselves and then... Like, do me favors, his team is really well. And I just, you know, I just wanted to ask you a question to, to end off. Mm-hmm. Should I have drafted Justin Herbert? Mm. Just for the listeners out there, I drafted Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Now, should I have drafted Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert just to get super contrarian 
instead of Phillip Rivers as my QB3? In my opinion, the answer is yes to that question. Because while I do love Phillip Rivers and think that he is a much better pick than both of those guys, it, it goes back to what we were just talking about. Like the optimal pick is not always the right pick in terms of strategy for a format like this. So I wouldn't have minded you going with, you know, one of these wide receivers that maybe went, you know, right after that, like John Ross or Kenny Stills or Paris Campbell even before he got back to me and really going with the built-in stack that your team was sort of built for having both of those Chargers wide receivers, you know, neither of them got drafted. So you could have gotten them with your last and final round pick in the 20th round. I would have liked that as your QB three, considering you had such strong uh, quarterbacks and Kyler Murray, who I view as a top five fantasy quarterback this year, Daniel Jones, who's like the perfect mid range QB two with a lot of upside. And uh, yeah, I, I would have been fine going with Herbert there. I think it would have been a little bit better for your team, but you know, I'm never going to be mad at rivers in the 17th round. I mean, I've been talking about him as a top draft value uh, all off season. Yeah. That was just a question for me because I feel like the QB three spot can be valuable you know, on certain teams, and I would have drafted Herbert, but I couldn't go back on me, you know, talking shit about him, so I couldn't draft him, that's what I was thinking in my head, that I didn't really say, and then Tyrod Taylor, I guess I could have went there instead of Phillip Rivers to complete, you know, the double stack, but I ended up drafting Rivers, obviously, so. It could work uh, out for you, though, I mean, it really could, because at least with Phillip Rivers, excluding injury you know you're getting you know 16 games out of him whereas i think drafting taylor and or herbert i mean you have to assume that you know you're not getting a full season out of either guy because taylor's starting the year and herbert's probably finishing it i think that everybody expects that to be the case yeah that was definitely a big part in the pick as well and i just want to say one more thing you could get very very contrarian in these drafts and draft some sneaky stacks you know, I, I don't know those sneaky stacks, but Herbert to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams could have been one of them, in my opinion. So don't be afraid to to go off the rails a little bit and get contrarian in, in these large field tournaments. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we look at the winning team on the Millie Maker uh, of a DraftKings week and be like, man, what a terrible team. I can't like, don't how how, how did they land on this as a team to put real money on? And then... You know, would I be surprised if we look at one of these teams that we're sitting here saying is garbage? Like, how did they make that pick? And then, you know, fast forward to February and like that team took it down because crazy things happen in the NFL. So, yeah, get weird. Don't don't be afraid to, uh, you know, go against the grain. Definitely a good point by Joey there. I think that's all we've got for this episode of the podcast, episode 76. We thank you for listening. Like Joey said at the top of the show, subscribe on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify. We have clips on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS dose. And, you know, I think that there's going to be a new wrinkle to Joey's uh, how to support the podcast at the top of next show, but we won't get into that now. Check back. We've got some real exciting stuff in the works for the podcast going forward. We'll talk about that next week. Next week is, I think the opening is definitely going to be a lot of information that we're going to be giving the listeners about, you know, the stuff that we have going on. You know, it's going to be fun. Really exciting. You know, we've been working for, you know, almost three years now talking about this stuff. So building towards uh, what we've got coming. Really excited for that. 
As always, like I said, follow the podcast at the DFS Dose uh, on all platforms. You can follow my personal Twitter at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. And we'll be back next week. We'll talk to you then.